You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Had it muted. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. Don't worry about it. Sometimes I mute stuff. It's none of your concern. Welcome to Packernet After Dark. If you'd like to participate in the Packernet call-in show, you can do so at 608-501-0718. Just go ahead and leave a message. We'll get to it. If you are a uh, new caller, you get to go to the front of the line. Um, This is kind of getting weird, but let's pick up where we left off going in reverse, but still with older calls. Does that kind of make sense? No? All right, fine. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Craig, what's going on, man? Hey, Ryan. It's Craig. Hey, Craig. Um, watched a little bit of the San Francisco playoff game last night. Um, really uh, impressed with Brock Purdy. Um, but I think it, it, it kind of shows, again, what you talked about, is if you have the right system and some players around you, um, you know, you don't have to have a, an all-pro uh, quarterback to, to be a good team. Um, so, again, it just makes me... Uh, wonder about what uh, Jordan Love might be thinking when he sees that. Um, and he's, you know, a first-round pick instead of the very last pick of the draft, and he's sitting on the bench for years. Um, he certainly would think that would um, further upset him that he could be out there doing something or showing what he has. But um, I, I really hope we give him a chance. I hope uh, I hope he gets to play next year and, uh, and show us what he has. Uh, I know it's still not for certain, just because he was a higher pick, but uh, certainly uh, like what we've, uh, for the most part, what we've seen so far, given his limited time. Uh, anyway, go back, go. Yeah, I mean, you know, Brock Purdy's getting a ton of hype, and he's doing a great job, all things considered, um, as far as just doing what needs to be done to get through. Um, I think he's overhyped, but at the same time, you could argue that he's as good, if not better, than Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, especially these last, I mean, if you just look at his PFF grades, he's had good grades since week 15. So 15, 16, 17, 18 in the wild card. Um, and it's basically was his only bad games were his, like his first game was his only bad game. His second game, he was average. His third game, 69. So it was technically average, but kind of up there. And then it's been seventies ever since he doesn't have any eighties or nineties, but that's kind of perfect. Just don't suck. If you're a 49ers quarterback, just don't suck. And if you can be good, all the better. But yeah, as far as the uh the Jordan Love thing, you know, that that what what you're saying is is true not only because, you know, yeah, he's look where he was drafted, look where I was drafted, I should be playing, but if you think about it, if he had been on a different team and let's just say cuz obviously he believes he's a very good quarterback. I'm sure most quarterbacks do have faith in themselves. He's not only frustrated from the standpoint of I wish I was playing, he's frustrated from the standpoint of it's payday. 
right? This is this is around the time when he'd be getting paid. If he was, you know, Kyler Murray or any of these other guys, he'd be looking at a massive, massive contract with tens of millions of dollars going into his bank account this year. And instead, he's still sitting on the bench, twiddling his thumbs. Um, the guy that is basically going to ruin the Packers is his only reputation, right? I mean, Jalen Hurts, he got an opportunity to play as a second-round pick and is leading the Eagles potentially to the Super Bowl. Um, You know, Lamar Jackson, who was a late first-round pick, just like Jordan Love, he was an MVP in his second year, and um, they're in the playoffs again. Again, he's constantly injured, so it's kind of hard to tell what's going on with him. But, um, you know, there's a lot of guys that were drafted around the area he was drafted that are in the playoffs every single year that are – you know, making just buku bank. I mean, Lamar, you know, he's he's going to end up making stupid money whenever that gets sorted out, whether that's with the Ravens or somebody else. I mean, you know, he and uh, Jalen, all things, you know, assuming nothing catastrophic happens, these are guys that were drafted in the same range that are just carving up the NFL and are just going to make stupid amounts of money. He's making nothing, which is frustrating because by the time he's able to prove his worth, you know, I mean, it'll, it'll be an accelerated process. If he comes out and just tears it up, he's going to say, I want, I want a better contract, and he'll probably get it. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's got to be frustrating. And you can kind of understand from that standpoint why the rumors may be true, or even if the rumors aren't true in terms of that person actually hearing or knowing anything, but it may be a reality that Jordan Love would want to force his way out, because why wouldn't you? If Rodgers does come back and you're looking at it going, look, I, I just need an opportunity somewhere to go play and prove that I am deserving of of actual big boy money before my time in the NFL is already done. I've burned through my entire rookie contract and I've just been sitting here earning no extra money because I haven't had the opportunity to prove anything. So from his perspective, yeah, I would be wildly frustrated. And I think he does deserve a lot of credit for his patience and willingness to just kind of stick it out. Hey, Ryan, Trevor again. Hey. Um, I just had a thought. Cause you always talk about how, you know, the, it's too hard to do fantasy football with the pack net because, you know, too many, you only get like 10 people in a league and whatnot. 10, well, more than 10, but, you know, not so many. Um, so I just had an idea. Maybe next season you do a survivor pool instead where you pick a different team every week. Uh, whoever's left standing gets all the money. Um, you could even do it, I think, where like it's 50 50, you know, half is, Winnings, the other half is like your donation to Packernet Podcast. I mean, if you had $50 entry, and even if only 20 people signed up, I mean, there you go. You got 1000 bucks, 500 Packernet, uh, which I'm more than happy to sign up with. But I mean, I know you got way more listeners than that. So you get 100 people sign up. Now you already have to 2500 for you, 2500 uh for the winner. So uh, just thought, you know, because something you can have like unlimited entries you don't need. A cap like an actual fantasy football league, but um, might be something fun for packing a family to do. I know I'd be interested in it, so uh, just thought for next year, go back over. I think you make a, a great point in that I am severely lacking in, um, you know, in, in terms of revenue streams. I've got Patreon, I've got advertisements, that's it. I think there is a massive untapped market in degenerate gambling. <laughs> Just, I know that some of you are just degenerate gamblers. You got to understand where I work, people will gamble on anything. Family Feud is a daily gambling endeavor. 
uh, draw a card, high card for two bucks, anything and everything. I know some of you are degenerates. I, I, what I need to do is just come up with games every day and just be like, who wants in? Two bucks. <laughs> you know? Do, can we do like a, a mock draft game? That's what we should come up with. Come up with a draft game, some kind of a mock draft game, and we'll just, we'll just pitch in. You know what we could do is we could have, um, you know how you score the draft, and you know, depending on your predictions of how people draft or whatever, that ends up being scored. And whoever's like the closest in terms of, you know, it's like two points for if you get the exact team and pick one point if that player goes in that round or something stupid like that. You could run those back, just have that every day and then just run. I don't know about a simulation because that gets to be kind of predictable, but maybe you could have some people. Oh, could do like a live draft with some people. It could be like a round table of five or whatever. It doesn't matter. But all the people watching have got like a buck on it. But the grand prize is like a hundred bucks or whatever. I don't know. Hopefully, a lot of people do. And you're watching it, and it's just, it's like horse racing in slow motion. Yeah, pick eight. I think I'm gonna go. Hmm. I don't know. And then how mad people are gonna get when somebody makes a really stupid pick? They're gonna make some second round pick to the Packers at pick fifteen, and everyone's gonna lose their freaking mind because they're like, "You son of! I needed that one." <laughs> I think that'd be fun. I'd put down a buck for that. I should just start a website called DegenerateGambling.com. And it's just every day is a new stupid game that you just throw a buck or two on. You know, spin the wheel. Kind of a spin the wheel last man standing. You know, there's like five numbers. So if it lands on four, everybody that picked four moves on to the next round. Last man standing gets the, gets the pile of money. I, I know it's illegal, but it would be fun. That's all I'm saying. Maybe nobody needs to know. I don't know. Whatever. We're just friends hanging out. This isn't a, this isn't a gambling business. We're just friends. You're telling me me and my friends can't, you know, bet money on a poker game? Of course we can. Me and my friends are playing Degenerate Gambling on DegenerateGambling.com. Friends only, though. You know, I actually did have a, an idea for a site that was kind of similar to that a long time ago, back in my um, come up with a new business every day phase. I even, I talked to a lawyer. I had lawyers. I had web designers. Everybody I talked to was like, uh, I don't know. Talked to a web designer, and they're building like basic WordPress sites. And I was like, so here's, here's what I want to happen. And he's like, I could see if I have a plugin for that. I'm like, dude, there's no plugin for that. If you're just doing plugins, this isn't going to work. <laughs> I need you to build this for me. Thank you. And I talked to a lawyer and he's like, well, it's definitely illicit. I was like, cool. Can I go to jail though? Nobody knows anything. It's, it's annoying. Pay people money to just go, hmm, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Like, <laughs> okay refund or how does this work hey ryan peter thomas hey peter give me a call from milwaukee here uh i think i understand lafleur's anti-blame rogers responses in his last press conference that you critiqued so here goes um we don't have the ability to move on from rogers as an administrative organization due to his contracts then i think it would actually be smart for them to play nice like, why would LaFleur throw him under the bus, essentially exposing the truth that he wasn't good this season in a press conference? Well, even though he wasn't good, and we all know about it. I think it's going to piss him off, and it's going to create a slew of other problems, especially with the media speculation about his retirement, his ego and his pettiness, the problems with him and front management that we've all heard before, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But who really cares? I think he does, and the ball is in his court, and that's why. 
Aaron had said that he and the administration are currently in good communication and have had a mutual understanding this year <clears throat> that they treat their aging veterans with kindness and love and appreciation and kumbaya and blah, blah, blah. And as quirky as that sounds, I do believe a good relationship is of the utmost importance to Aaron. He holds the keys to his retirement, right? So it's no wonder that LaFleur sugarcoated the press conference and didn't blame Rogers for anything, simply because the bigger picture for the administration is to keep their word that they wouldn't tarnish his legacy by pointing out his flaws in his play. But in my opinion, they secretive, I think they secretively hope that he retires soon. They give him the lip service that he knows that he wants, and if he wants to retire, it will be all in good standing with them and the players and the fans. I really think the administration would love for him to retire now, actually. They know he wants to go out as a legendary football player that played for the Packers organization his entire career and that he gave it his all. They are purposefully not throwing him under the bus, hoping that he comes to a decision about retirement, not in anger. The decision that he and basically everyone knows that it's best for the team to move on. So I don't think there's any point in dragging him through more scrutiny by pointing out his flaws when it would be simple to just take the we-had-a-down-year bait and then wait. I may be completely wrong here, so only time will tell. Let me know your thoughts, Dan. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting things with that. Um, a, a lot of it is because I don't know. You know, it, it's a question of what's going on behind the scenes. So, for example, for, first of all, regardless, I don't like throwing other people under the bus. Just, just as a, it's one thing to not trash Rodgers, fine, but to trash other players in order to protect Rodgers, that I don't like. If you want to just as a general policy, just be nice. And, 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 you know, like Mike McCarthy always did that. He, he would never throw his guys under the bus. That's not, to my recollection, he was, he was famous for that. He would deflect, he would defend his guys to the death. Um, and that's, that's fine. So long as when you get in the meeting room, it's a different conversation, right? I will criticize you. I will critique you. We will go through this and be heavy handed and you need to be better, et cetera, et cetera. And then when we go up to the podium, I'm going to defend my guys. I respect that for sure. So that's that's the first thing. If you want to defend Rodgers, fine. Don't throw under guy, other guys under the bus to defend him. That's that's a problem. Um, but yeah, that that is kind of the interesting thing. Is is this just a tactful decision that comes from the top? Like we need to be nice. If so, why and to what end? And then the the bigger question for me is: Does that permeate throughout? Because my my bigger issue isn't so much how they handle questions. It's how this is handled behind the scenes when we're not talking about media. How does it, how is it, does this happen in meeting rooms? Are we watching Rogers make mistakes and Lafleur deflecting or, or for example, we're going to pull up clips and we're not going to pull up Rogers mistakes. We're going to pull up everybody else's. And, and you know what I mean? Like that can't be happening. That's a problem. If that's happening, if it's not, then I, I, I guess I don't really care. It's, it's None of this really has to do with their explanations to me. I don't need to hear Matt LaFleur say Rodgers was bad. That's not important. I just want to know that they know what's going on and that they can properly assess things and that they have the cojones to actually step up and fix it. And they're not kowtowing because they're scared of people. Um, that's my only real concern. As far as, you know, 
how that would be beneficial for, you know, his legacy and everything else. Yeah. I don't know. Again, it's, it's, it's fine because I, I mean, the, the, the point at which I understand it is this whole big blow up that was a complete disaster and a headache and just a massive amount of work started because there was butting heads between largely Gutekunst and Aaron Rodgers, right? There was just some tension and Rodgers was not happy and he was kind of throwing the team under the bus and Gutekunst was kind of standing his ground and it took like a year of working through that and like daily meetings and all this stuff to kind of... So you made a decision as a franchise that it's better to be on his good side than his bad side and you're trying to continue that. I guess I kind of understand it, but at the same time, as much as everybody's kind of pissing and moaning about him uh you know Rodgers not getting the respect that he's owed we're kind of seeing the flip side of that when you give Rodgers what he wants this is the uh, this is the result and I, I don't think it's necessarily a good thing when you get to the point where you're throwing rookies under the bus to protect Rodgers now we've kind of gone way too far in that direction so yeah i mean it does kind of make it hard to tell what the, the, the team's future is. It is entirely possible that despite the fact that they're saying one thing, they mean something entirely different, that maybe they do want to move on from Rodgers, which is where it's going to be interesting moving forward. Because again, we could probably know with absolute certainty what Rodgers' decision is going to be if we knew the context of those conversations. So if you're right that they actually secretly will say want him to move on, they would more or less, I think, communicate that to Rodgers. Whether they want to be open about it, you know, they, they, they would... Gutekunst said he would be honest if that was the situation. I think he more or less would. And again, even if he didn't want to be honest, he could simply, um, you know, like, like I've been saying this whole time, kind of communicate that we're looking to get younger and to build in that direction. We'd be happy to have you back if you want to kind of, you know, just make it sound like a charity thing. I think we would know at that point what the decision from Aaron Rodgers would be, even if we're not quite getting it yet. Um, if they, in those meetings, went all in and like, oh yeah, we want you back and we'll do it, we'll do anything we can and we'll try to keep out da 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 da, um, then, then <laughs> I would hope that that's because they genuinely believe that he's got a bunch left in the tank and maybe Jordan Love isn't the answer, and et cetera, et cetera, in which case that would be the right decision. I just want them to be making the best, most clear-headed decisions, no matter what. As long as you're doing honestly, genuinely what you think is best, not just for the immediate future, but the, the future future, um, or the, the, the present, the immediate future, and the future future, fine. Whether you're right or wrong is a separate issue, but I'm, I'm my concern is just that everything is revolving around him, and that's where it gets to be concerning because it's becoming what's best for Rodgers, not necessarily what's best for the team, and that's obviously very problematic as a philosophy. Hey, Ryan, I got a question. I don't know. You may or may not know how to answer it, um, but I was in high school when Brett Favre was doing the whole will he retire, when he retires shit. Um so I don't really remember, you know, I remember him fully come back or not, but I wasn't into like football to the point of knowing contracts and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm just curious, you know, obviously if Rogers chooses to retire, um, there's cap savings, you know, or I don't know what the exact numbers are, but we save some money on the cap yeah. and then we're going to make moves based on that. Um, but if he says he's going to retire and 
then, you know, where training camp comes along and he's like, ah, never mind, I changed my mind, you know, like Brett Favre used to do. He's like, yeah. I'm not going to retire. Well, now he's on contract with our team. He's on the books. Um, and suddenly that, you know, likely jumps us over the cap. Like, how does, how does that work? Is the team just screwed at that point and has to make moves, whether they're cutting people or restructuring to get back under or, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how that works with like the unretiring stuff because it has significant cap implications potentially. And I don't know. People have obviously done it before. It's never been that big of an issue, but nobody's had this kind of contract before. I feel like, you know, Rogers contract massive right now. So I don't know. Could he like uh, really screw us over if he ends up doing something like that? Just curious. Go back. Go. That's a really good question. Um, let me see. Because, I mean, the the weird thing about the situation that you're talking about is you're still retaining that contract. So it's almost like you have a contract that's kind of put into its own separate category of we have this contract, but it has no, I shouldn't even say it has no implications because things have happened. So you, you would just wonder if holding on to that contract would, if the league would... Um, require you to keep that spot open so long as you have his contract. That would almost make the most sense to me. But it also is like, how the heck can we do that? Because, you know, when his contract, so all of a sudden we're, we're broken, we're cutting people based on a guy that's not even here. So I don't know if there's a way to relieve somebody of their contract after they retire, which would mean that if he retires, we relieve him of his contract and then he could unretire and go anywhere he wants and is a free agent. Whereas if we decide to retain the contract, we would have to leave that space open. I'm making things up. I'm just trying to think through what you're talking about in terms of something that would make sense. Because you're right. You, 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 it wouldn't make sense to, let's just say it's $20 million against the cap, or 30 whatever. And he leaves and we get 15 back. So suddenly we've got this $15 extra million. We spend the 15 And let's say we've only got like five just sitting there. That's all we got left is five. He comes back. Suddenly, that's a $30 million cap hit again, which I don't know if it's 30 because it, so I, I guess 15 would be added back. Well, now we're 10 in the hole. Now what do we do? And there's the, these brought, people we brought in, the contracts, it's not like we can just cut them and get the money back and be like, never mind. I want a full refund. It's like, no, this contract has guarantees, dude. You can't just zero out this contract. All right, so here's how I think this works. Um, I've been reading into this a little bit. I could probably dig a little bit more. But there is a uh, reserve retired list, which is just like IR. It's a spot that you can put the player essentially like IR, but it's called retired. If you look at um, when Malcolm Butler did this last year, well, year and a half ago or whatever, August 2021, Cardinals placed cornerback Malcolm Butler on reserve retired list. Essentially, again, it's like putting him on IR. What it did is it freed a roster spot. They filled that roster spot, and if he decided to come back, they would have to clear a roster spot so that he could come back. I think it would work the same way financially. If he decided to come back, they would have to clear out the money. The question of what they would do if they can't, I don't know. But he can't just force his way back, just like a player can't force his way back to IR or from IR. Now, I tend to think if you don't clear a spot or clear the money, he ends up becoming a free agent, right? I mean, what happens when somebody comes off of IR, but you don't have space for him? I don't know if that's ever even happened because you would make a space for him, but there comes a time to make a decision. There's also another uh, wrinkle that I found 
in this if I can find where that was. It says, um, let me read this. The reserve retired list is a chance for veterans to retain a player. I think they mean team. It protects their legal rights. The player may return from retirement only in the next season if the decision came and approved before the training camp starts. If the player seeks its return after the regular season started, it must uh, it must squeeze before the trade deadline. The club has time between the deadline and 30 days before the regular season ends. Some players consider this list as a way to miss unfavorable salary cap or have more time for non-football activity. Um, so I don't exactly know how all that works, but it does sound like there's a timeline. So in other words, my concern, for example, of leaving that space open I don't think you have to leave the space open. I just think if he comes back, you have to, if you want to bring him back, if he decides to come back, you would have to clear that space for him, the space that's allocated. The other thing, though, is that it says only in the next season. So this is something you can only hold on to a guy for a year. After that, I don't know. I guess they just are released into free agency. I'm kind of stitching together little pieces and making most of this up. I don't know. But this is kind of where I'm at. You can put them on the retired list for one year to retain them so that if they come back, you retain the rights to own them or, you know, to to whatever, to own their contract, the player. But in order to bring them back on your roster, you need to have a spot for them and the money for them. If you can't, I'm guessing that means that you would have to release them. Something like that. But no, in terms of the broad part of your question, can he just screw us where we're like, all right, you're retired, cool. And then he comes back and now we're suddenly in the hole and we're doomed and we forfeit the season? No. By the way, sorry for no Packernet After Dark last night. Um, I recorded this up until this point yesterday. But then, you know, family has to go do stuff and turns out they're not getting back until forever. So anyways, let's try this again. So hard, man. <laughs> Everything's hard. Hey, Ryan, it's Nate. Um, I wanted to call in because I saw something uh, the other day um, from another fanalist of the NFL, okay. similar to yourself. Um, and he was kind of doing some number breakdowns on salary cap and quarterbacks, uh, and specifically in reference to Super Bowl winners. And he said that the magic number that no team has ever uh, won a Super Bowl with is 12.5% of the salary cap. If your quarterback takes up anything uh, 12.5% or above, I've seen that before. No yeah. team has ever won the Super Bowl with a uh, with a quarterback taking up that much of the cap. So I found that pretty interesting because um, it's yet again one of the many reasons that I don't uh, care for Rodgers. I think he is way too expensive, um, <clears throat> especially production-wise. But I would just like to hear if that's an accurate number. Uh, I think he said that there were a couple teams who won uh, with a uh, with a 10% quarterback. One of them was Tom Brady. I don't remember who the other one was. But, uh, yeah, just wanted to know if that's accurate and what your thoughts are. Go back home. I have heard that before. Um, there's There's three things I want to look at that come to mind when you say that. Number one, what is Aaron Rodgers' percent of the salary cap been every year? Number two, obviously, what is the percent of the salary cap that quarterbacks have had that have won the Super Bowl? And then number three, what is the allocation of the salary cap for teams that won the Super Bowl? I mean, that's that's an important question in and of itself that we should all be looking at, that I should have thought to look at. Every team that wins a Super Bowl, what is the distribution of salary cap? 
Um, I think this is a little more of a tomorrow. Well, oh, shoot. It's going to be a yesterday thing, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's a tomorrow thing. It's a tomorrow thing. It's so confused on what podcasts I've done, and then this one didn't get done, and so it's the next one. And uh, No, it's tomorrow. Um, thanks for the fodder. But what can I look up quickly here? Let's Let's do this. Let's do this. For now, let's assume that that's correct. I want to go back and look at how much Aaron Rodgers, what percentage of the cap he's been every year. So his 2023 number, which is going to be higher than this year, $31.6 million against the cap, is nearly 14% of the 2023 salary cap. His 2022, he was 28.5. That was 13.25%. 2021, he made 27 million, or not made, but that's what the cap hit was. That was 14.5% of the cap. Because remember, even though his number's going down, it's not going down fast enough. Um, so his percentage actually spiked there. In 2020, which was the Packers' best year, interestingly enough, Aaron Rodgers was actually below the 12.5%. He was at 10.6%, with a cap hit of 21.6 million. In 2019, when we somewhat struggled, he was actually at 15% of the cap, making or the cap hit was 29.6 million. 2018 was a terrible year, but he was only uh, 11 and a half against the cap, so he was actually under there. In fact, the entire quarterback room was under, and maybe maybe that's the larger point: is the quarterback position as a whole. As a whole, it was 12.19%. Rodgers was 11.5%. 2017, he was 11.6%. I don't know if his injury played into that. In other words, he didn't count against the cap because of the injury. I would guess that's part of the equation there. 2016, 11.7. He was below there. Uh, 2015, I can only go back to 2013. So 2015, 12.5. He was below. 2014, 12.3. He was below. 2013, uh, 2013, it was 8.8% of the cap. So that's, that's sort of another issue with the situation we're in. He's always been below that 12 and a half number. In fact, I don't even know how low it goes. The further you go back, we're down to 8.8%. The entire quarterback room was only 9.6% of the cap back in the day. Now we're dealing with, you know, I mean, again, it, it hit 15% in what, what year was that? 2019? Yeah, 15% in 2019, and it's been hovering around 13 14% ever since. So he is taking a bigger piece of the pie. And not only that, you got Jordan Love making $3.3 million. So the quarterback room as a whole, if you look at this past year in 2022, not only was Rodgers getting 13.25, Jordan Love's getting 1.5%, and Danny Etling took 0.1%, but that put the quarterback room at almost 15% of the salary cap. And again, this upcoming year... He's sitting at uh, 14% by himself. Jordan Love goes up to 1.74. Danny Etling, apparently, I don't know if, I don't even think he's still around, but they have him penciled in at 0.38. But that puts the quarterback room at 16% of our cap being spent on quarterbacks. Um, And again, I'm not going to go through every year, at least not right now. I might do this for tomorrow, but the Rams in 2021 spent 10% of their cap, 10.6 on Matt Stafford. If you add in Bryce Perkins and John Wolford, it goes up to 11.5. So um, I don't know if there's anything necessarily to that, but our odds 
of winning the Super Bowl based on that are significantly less than they were back in the, you know, what year did I go back to? 2013, 14, 15, 16, and then even the 17, 18, I think he was below there as well. But 17, you had the injury, and 18, I don't know, everything just went to zero. I don't know what the heck happened there. But it just seems like we had better... Oh, and then 2020. 2020 was the one time the quarterback dipped down below that percentage, and the team kind of kind of blew up there a little bit. So I will uh, plan on taking a deeper look at all this for tomorrow's podcast, but there you go. Uh, we have definitely been below that for a lot of Aaron Rodgers' career. As of right now, we are above it, and I don't think we... Well, let's continue on here. Aaron Rodgers, 2024, and I don't know if they... Obviously, we don't know for sure the salary cap, but they have it estimated at $235 million, which would be $15 million roughly more-ish than what we've got going on now. I don't know what... It, I, I saw that it was supposed to exceed 220 so I don't know. Call it between 10 and $15 million more. So it's probably a safe bet. Aaron Rodgers' cap hit is going to be 17.3% of the cap in 2024 if he's here. We're... Reaching for the stars here. He's 14% this year. He'll be 17% roughly in 2024. And then uh, 2025, I don't think anybody expects him to be here, but that would be uh, based on an estimated 245 million, 24% of the cap. So there's freaking no way. 60 million is his cap. But obviously, they wouldn't take that on anyways, and he's not going to be here. But yeah, that's uh, wildly unsustainable. Even Even 2024. There's there's just no way. 2023 even kind of stings a little bit at 14%. All right, so listening to the After Dark, holy crap, um, tonight, I'm a balcony, smoking a stogie. Yeah. And, oh, this is Nico, by the way. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. So if we play the Raiders next year, so how about this? How about check this scenario. Rogers goes to the Raiders. And we play him next year. That would be freaking epic, <clears throat> because we would win. Hello, um, <laughs> Rogers would you know focus on Devontae too much and throw three interceptions because that's what he does now. Um, I'm calling it. That's what I want. I want to. I want to happen next year. That would be awesome. Just had a call before I listened to the rest of yesterday because that's awesome. So uh, yeah, Rogers goes to the Raiders. We play them and beat them. That would be freaking awesome. Hey, go Jordan Love and go Pat Go. Yeah, I'm assuming you're listening when the uh, theory about Rodgers to the Raiders comes up. Um, yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, either way, it's going to be interesting because the Raiders are definitely looking for a quarterback, and there's a ton of rumors about Tom Brady. So there's a chance we'll, we've already played him in New England. We've obviously played him in Tampa, and we'll get a chance to play him with the Raiders if if that is the case. Um, if on the very rare possibility that um Rodgers does end up going to the Raiders we're going to be playing him so either way we're going to see Devontae which is pretty wild thought I muted discord like six times but I had another tab open I was like why doesn't it work so yeah it should be pretty interesting along with some of the other interesting ones would be for example the Broncos they're going to be retooling everything and um Panthers don't know anything what they're going to be doing retooling and whatnot it's a lot of really interesting teams that are kind of Probably going to be a lot different. So we can look at them and be like, dude, it's going to be a cakewalk. We got the Raiders. We got the Broncos, which is hilarious because the AFC West was supposed to be the biggest powerhouse. <laughs> and really, it's I think it just got worse. The Chiefs are the exact same. The Chargers are basically the same. Um, and then the Broncos and Raiders just went to zero. Um, yeah, the Panthers should be a cakewalk. The Falcons should be pretty easy, but I don't know. 
see what changes they make. Stuff can stuff can happen, you know. Anyways, uh, I don't think we took a break yet, so why don't we go ahead and do that? We'll take a break. We'll come right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Ryan, Steve up in Alaska. How things going down there in the frozen tundra area? So Hope funny hearing down well there. Again. Got back from a nice... I, I almost wanted to correct you. I was like, down there? What you talking about down there? It's always up there. I mean, there are Minnesota folks and whatnot, but... Especially when they throw in frozen tundra, you just assume they're from sunny Florida or Arizona or something. But Steve in Alaska <laughs> patronizing me. I know it's colder up there. Shut up. Like today, the weather's been good, which kind of sucks because I do snow removal and I haven't seen any snow in Yeah, that's brutal. But it's been a good day and figured I'd give you a call. I've had some time to step away a little bit. And I know a lot of people have been listening to you call. They're still, they well, you're still dealing with old calls, but they were all pretty angry about how the season ended. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it as this is we kind of ended up in a situation that we talked about around midseason is we're kind of in the, the worst of all worlds in some degrees because we're not sure about our quarterback. We have another quarterback we're not sure if we're going to be able to keep because we're not sure about our first quarterback. We're a mediocre team with a mediocre draft pick and we didn't make the playoffs. We, we got nothing out of the season. So this is, this is pretty much where we didn't want to be. As I earlier in the season was complaining, saying, hey, just lose, lose, lose. Let's get the good draft pick and just have the season go bad compared to where we are now. I mean, I know a couple days, a couple weeks ago, I was, you know, sounding excited about, you know, what the team was doing because, hey, you know, if we can make the playoffs, we make the playoffs. At least you can say you made the playoffs. That, that shut a lot of people up, but we, we didn't do that. So here we are. Um, so that means we are in the, the postseason, and we're looking forward to what the team is doing. You know, 
there's a lot of issues with that too. I mean, Rodgers, we really got to know what the Rodgers thing is. I know that's what everybody's been talking about, but we really have to know what the Rodgers thing is. Um, if we keep him, I don't think we can keep Love because what are we going to do year five? So we keep him, keep Love, and you know Rodgers plays one more year. So Love's first year, we're paying him upwards of twenty million dollars because I think that's what the the fifth year option is for a quarterback somewhere around twenty million dollars, and we're paying Rodgers. 35, 40 million not to be on the team. So we still have one of the most expensive quarterback rooms in the league. I mean, if, if Rodgers stays, Love has to go. Yeah. And the only way we can keep Love is for Rodgers to go. So that's kind of where I think the whole offseason, as you said a few times, it really stands is we got to figure out that position. And then the rest of the team, I think we'll fall into place around it. And I think we have a good enough team to show solid next year with Love, which that's the way I'm leaning. Um, and then we can build from there, and we'll just see how it goes. But I'm about out of time, so I'm going to say goodbye to you guys. I'm going to go to the store and get myself some beers and sit here and watch some movies and have some beers. But uh, y'all take it easy, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again once we get some news and see what's happening. Bye. You know, Steve, in a couple of years, I'm going to come see you in Alaska. Um, yeah, it's interesting because we sit here and – Everybody's focused on this is the year we find out, you know, just like last year and potentially next year. But this is the year we find out, is Aaron Rodgers coming back or not, right? That's the big thing. But I think this could be the year that we determine whether love comes back. I think you're absolutely right about that. I think if Rodgers stays away, then obviously love takes over and we start the love era for whatever that's worth. If Rodgers comes back, I really do believe there is a good chance that that this is the decision being made that we're not going to move forward with Jordan Love. Um, in which case, again, that's where you start looking at. Quarterback is the most likely pick, in my opinion. If jo- if, if Rodgers comes back and the Packers initiate a Jordan Love trade, I don't know why in the world we would focus on anything else. I mean, there has to be a quarterback you like, granted. But if that doesn't happen... I don't really know what we're going to do. I mean, I could you could just ride it out, and then next year if Rodgers decides not to come back, which, I mean, again, you look at the salary cap implications and everything, I mean, the Packers are going to have to get much more aggressive in the, uh, hey, look, man, we love you. We would love to have you back, really would, but seriously, get out of here, all right? Please come back, but also don't, please don't do it, <laughs> right? Like, Man, no more. We can't. We can't. We can't. We love you. We'd love to have you back, but don't come back. Okay? Please. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do in 2024? Love's gone. Rogers is your only quarterback, and he's gone. We don't even have a third quarterback right now. What are we going to do? We didn't draft one. We have to draft one in this upcoming class. And that's that's the worst part. There's some really good quarterbacks in 2024, in my opinion. And this is what everybody says every single year. So it's probably nonsense. But I really believe, for example, the consensus big board has Caleb Williams at number 20, the third best quarterback in this class. I think that's nonsense. I think Spencer Rattler is way overrated. I don't really know about Bo Nix. Maybe he's great. But I think Caleb Williams is a better quarterback than any quarterback in this class. I don't even really think it's close. And that's, I, I'm sure a lot of draft people would disagree. I, I don't think Bryce Young is anything massively special. I am not a fan of CJ Stroud 
basically at all. Again, haven't watched a ton. He grades out fine. Not as good as uh, Justin Fields did. Justin Fields was significantly better than Stroud. Stroud is more of a, who is the guy before Fields that went and was not good? But I'll be nice because he passed away. Um, I, I just, I, I, like I said, when I watched Stroud, I, all I saw was like the bad version of Aaron Rodgers. It was force-feeding the ball. It was uh, uncomfortable in the pocket. It was checkdowns, and it was just—it just—I felt like I was watching the 2022 Packers offense with Aaron Rodgers, and I didn't like C.J. Stroud and Will Levis. I really liked him at first, but then he's similar to Anthony Richardson. It's like, dang man, look at that—you know—stands in the pocket, just taking the shots and just delivering. Just loved it. But then he throw a pass and be like, "What the heck was that? What are you doing?" And again, Richardson, same thing. But the problem is, if Rodgers comes back. And again, who knows, maybe Love is great and he's actually a better quarterback, but the odds are rookie Love is not going to be as good as Aaron Rodgers, which means we're probably not going to get Caleb. I mean, granted, there are five quarterbacks projected first round. Uh, Shadur Sanders out of Colorado, Drake May, North Carolina, Caleb Williams, USC, Bo Nix, Oregon, Spencer Rattler, South Carolina. But that's so far. Quarterbacks are always going to be inflated and we got to see what they do one more year and some of these guys probably don't belong to begin with. Man, this is how easily distracted I am. I, I, I wanted to just real quick plug in 2024's um, quarterbacks into this quarterback thing that I started. I did it, and they came up with pretty bad grades. And I was like, well, the reason is because I don't have the um, proper multipliers and all this stuff figured out yet, so I need to do... I just spent a long time, which is a good thing, <laughs> working on my... Uh, 2023 big board and I'm, I'm real excited about it. And, um, I think maybe here's what I could do. Actually, if you're a patron, um, I've been trying to think of a video. I, I could do another mock draft, but just a little update. Maybe you don't care. I don't know, but just kind of give you an idea of what I'm working on and how this is all going to come together. Um, just sort of behind the scenes. Cause I, I think that's kind of lacking sometimes in terms of the draft is everything's just opinion. And that's fine. And it's it's authoritative opinion and all that stuff. And even like data, like PFF grades, it's like, well, what goes behind that? I want to be able to give you the full thought process and say, here is how I came to what I came to. And um, this is how the big board is going to be laid out and kind of give you some insight into that. It is a ridiculous amount of work. And if I was smart, I would... Um, have everything from last year so I could just build on it. But the problem is I look at it and I just see a flaw and I'm like, you know what, let's just redo this because let's just build it right from the ground up. So every year I rebuild it from the ground up, but every year it gets a little bit better in my opinion. And so I'm super excited about it. And then sometimes I get burned out and I'm like, I'm not doing this. So I did a ton of work and I got all the quarterbacks and I got final grades, although not final, final. And I was like, I can't do anymore, man. I'm Cause the next step is working on the correlations and, um, that's its own thing. And then I got started and I got excited about it. Like, dude, this is coming together. This is awesome. But anyways, uh, I don't have an answer for next year's, but I will. I'm going to work on that as far as final grades for the quarterbacks as far as this year. And and, and just being able to visualize, visualize it is going to help me also um, to help round up my own personal opinion. Because again, as of right now, I'm looking at it and it's like, oh, CJ Stroud actually is pretty good. Although having not really fully edited this yet. Um, Tim Demerat of Fordham is actually my number one quarterback right now. So I got a little a little tweaking to do, but it's Tim Demerat, then CJ Stroud, then Hendon Hooker of Tennessee, then Bryce Young, and then down and down and down it goes. But uh, again, got some 
got some kinks to work out here. Anyways, it's not ready yet. But yeah, I'm I'm it is a it's a tough situation either way. I mean, no matter what, the the drafting of Jordan Love, it can still pan out to be a great pick so long as he plays for the Packers and is 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 a good football player. If we trade him, it doesn't matter how good he is. It's it was a bad decision because the timing just sucked and everything else didn't work out and we shouldn't have done it. It's one thing to draft a guy and he doesn't play well and it's like well you missed the evaluation it happens all the time not that big of a deal you took the best player available and he wasn't great it happens but if you draft a guy in the first round and you just never play him that's its own issue in terms of your personal thought process and that's another reason why it sucks to even consider getting rid of Jordan Love because now you're compounding issues not only did you potentially miss on evaluation we don't know yet but drafting a guy that didn't play is is an additional knock against you drafting him. But we're not there yet. We'll see how it goes. Again, we got to wait for that first shoe to drop as far as, as uh, Aaron Rodgers. Even if he does come back, or, or whether he does or doesn't, there's a chance that um, we end up drafting a guy. But if he doesn't come back and Jordan Love is the guy, I just think it makes it a little less likely. Because now you got two first-round picks, and it's like, well... In that case, it's more of a mid to late round quarterback potentially to be a back uh, a backup developmental guy, you know that maybe has a little bit of upside. Like for example, oh I don't know, um, Tim Demerat of Fordham. <laughs> I will say this though about uh, Rogers, and I just noticed um, I think it was that Ike account on Twitter posted something about the ages of the quarterbacks or whatever, um, and it was I think it's gone now. But Will Levis is. 23 right now. Jordan Love is 24. Stetson Bennett is already 25. If you look at other quarterbacks that are 23 years old that have been drafted, it's a pretty lengthy list. You've got um, Kirk Cousins, Nick Foles, Ryan Tannehill, Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz, Joe Burrow, Kyle Trask, and Kenny Pickett were all drafted at the age of 23. Um, Case Keenum, and uh, Case Keenum was 24. Brandon Whedon was drafted when he was 28 years old. In the first round, no less. That's crazy. Is that serious? He was 28 in the first round when they drafted him? That's super crazy. Um, I mean, there's obviously a lot more, but these are just the guys that played, you know, and had careers. Again, Joe Burrow was drafted at 23 nobody seems to care so it's not like his career has passed him by you know what i mean like we 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 don't have that full rookie contract to work with but he's got plenty of career left and he's about roughly the same age as is several rookies that are uh coming out so there's that just for perspective you know I, i'm sitting here um I'm sorry. Hey, hey, Ryan. This is uh, Daniel from Milwaukee. Hey, man. Um, what what makes me so mad is I'm listening to you uh, talk about you know uh, Matt Lafleur and, and how he defends Rogers, and you are so right. Like it's really pissing me off hearing Matt Lafleur literally put the blame on everybody else. But Rodgers, like, just imagine if Jordan Love was our quarterback right now and he had that type of a year. 
Uh, well, hold on, hold on. He had a crappy year because if he had that type of a year starting out, that would be looked at as pretty good. But let's just say he had a crappy year. Matt LaFleur would hold him accountable. Yeah. He would, he would. Well, I would even take it a step further. I think if he had the exact same year as Aaron Rodgers, like the, there would be context in terms of, look, he's a rookie and all that. Um, there, there are mistakes that are going to be made. But I genuinely think when asked about what went wrong with the offense, he would be lumped in with everybody else. There would be, there would be talks about, you know, yeah, the, the offensive line has to block better. The receivers have to do better. And, uh, you know, the coaches have to do better. And, you know, the, the quarterback has to do a better job, through, you know, making the right throws at the right time. These are things that we're working through. You know what I mean? I mean like, he would have been lumped into that. He'll be talking worse about Jordan Love than he talks about a Hall of Famer, like everybody loves to say, a Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, shouldn't he have more expectations for yes. a first ballot Hall of Famer yes. than a trash of a pick? As some people would like to say, like, I, right. I don't get it. Like that is so annoying to me, and I'm, I am, forever grateful for Rogers and being with us. As you know, for for as long as he's been, you know, I looked at a at a thing uh, yesterday, uh, and it said that Rogers has been with the Packers for 18 years longer than any other professional athlete in any sport. I mean, right now, he's the longest tenured athlete. I mean, that's amazing. But it's time to cut ties and, and move on. Like, this is going to get ugly if we just let this crap go down the road another year. We're going to be in cap hell for real and, I mean, I, I don't get it. Jordan Love is going to want to leave. He's going to want to request a trade out of Green Bay. I, I don't understand this. This is enough of this. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and that's – that is – there's a lot of things that are frustrating. You're, you're right about the expectations. You know, if we're going to talk about, you know, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, da, 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 then – Okay, then hold them to that standard. It doesn't make any sense to look at Rodgers' play like a a backup, and then after the game when you get pushed on it, like he's not playing well, why isn't he playing well, what's going on with Rodgers, to throw back in their face, look, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. We got to do better supporting him. Okay, if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, why is he missing wide open guys three yards down the field? Why is that happening? Why are you evading the question? Why don't you just answer the question? It's, 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 it's obnoxious. And it's, it's obviously true that there are other issues, but you have no problem talking about those other issues, do you? You have no problem saying the offensive line isn't blocking well enough. You have no problem saying the wide receivers aren't, you know, helping out enough or whatever, whether that's with drops or whatever. You have no problem throwing Aaron freaking Jones under the bus talking about his fumble directly. You know, it's 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 you know, if you talk about offensive line and, and and wide receivers, you're generally kind of speaking broadly. So you could say, well, you know, at least he's not throwing anybody specifically under the bus. Well, you are when you talked about Aaron Jones, when you talked about the fumble, because that was just one guy that did that. And there's only probably two guys that had drops, and there's only two guys that are rookie wide receivers when you talk about young wide receivers figuring these things out. So we're not idiots. We know exactly who you're talking about. 
And offensive line is basically everybody but Bakhtiari. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's not a mystery. People need to be held accountable. Period. I mean, that's basic. That is basic 101 type stuff. That's basic leadership stuff. That's basic locker room stuff. That's basic team building stuff. You know, you want to have a good culture, fine. You want to talk about setting a standard, fine. But then don't walk out to the podium and defend a guy that's not playing well and throw everybody else under the bus. Because that doesn't that means you don't know jack squat about leadership, about team building. You're fostering a garbage locker room. All this stuff is, is going to go right down the drain. And who knows, maybe that is part of it. Guys are being held to different standards. Why wouldn't that tick you off? It would tick me off if I'm getting thrown under the bus for his mistakes. I mean, hold me accountable for what I do, but hold him accountable for what he does. Flat out. And again, this is what, you know, um, when Peter called in and, and talked about it and said, well, it makes sense because, you know, you built this, you worked really hard to foster this relationship, and you don't want to tarnish it by slamming Aaron Rodgers, and so you just kind of round the edges a little bit and just kind of skirt around the question. You know, they never directly say Rodgers is never at fault, but they certainly don't ever address it, and they always point to everybody else, which is essentially throwing everybody else under the bus. But again, this is this is the consequence of that decision as an organization to say, we are going to do whatever we can to tread lightly on the Aaron Rodgers thing to make sure that we have a good relationship going forward because it was pretty damaging when things were bad and we don't want to do that again. Fine, but if that is the best recourse, that's only pushing me further in the direction, and I think most fans, based on the calls, further in the direction of Aaron Rodgers needs to go because that is not a healthy relationship. If that is the best thing to do, then this is not a good person to have around where we have to do this. Well, if you have to do this, if you have to throw everybody else under the bus, if you have to hold everybody accountable except him, I, I, I listen, bottom line is what you have to do is what's right for your team. And that's for everybody, not what's right for Rodgers and your relationship with him. And if you can't do that, you have to consider going in another direction. Now, I would rather... And to some degree, I almost think Rodgers would rather if you just hold everybody accountable equally. Maybe not, because I don't think Rodgers does think he's accountable, but a lot of guys that get thrown under the bus think that they're not to blame. Doesn't matter. I don't care. This is what it is. And again, if you want to take the Mike McCarthy approach of, of not attacking anybody, I have no problem with that. It, it makes it less entertaining for us from a standpoint of getting answers when everything is just deflected. And I feel like in the McCarthy era... Especially, I mean, the players never told you anything. It was just kind of the players and the team versus the media. And we don't talk to you. We don't tell you anything. Now things are much better in terms of people are an open book and they go on social media and they go on Pat McAfee and they kind of just speak their mind. The coaches still do the coach speak thing, but everybody else is able is an open book. And so we get more insights. But Matt LaFleur isn't giving us coach speak. He's very direct. He's very direct in, in telling us what's wrong, but he will never say Rodgers is to blame. And that's... Again, that is the issue. That can't happen. Figure it out. Figure it out. I, I, I don't agree that it's the right course of action, but I was pretty much standing by myself when this whole Rodgers and team drama was going on where Rodgers was taking shots at Gutekunst and everything else on Jeopardy and taking shots at the team and going through that whole thing and everybody was blaming the team. Well, this is your fault. Your fault for not supporting him and your fault for not doing everything you can to make him happy. And your fault, your fault, your fault. Everybody's blaming the team. So now the team went the other direction. They never say anything bad about Rodgers. And now this is the issue. I would rather 
The team have a stance that says, I'm the GM, that's the coach, you're the quarterback, I'm going to do what I need to do, you do what you need to do, shut your freaking mouth, you don't tell me what players come in here, you don't tell me what call, what plays to call, you do your job, and if you're too big for that, then you can get the heck out of here. I'm not putting up with this, I'm not dealing with this. I will come to you when I think it's the right time to come to you. When I think I need your input on something, I will come to you and ask you. If you go outside of this organization and start throwing shots at me and at the rest of these guys and start saying you need more input than I think you need, then you can get out. It's not up to you to decide. It's up to me to decide. I decide what players come in here. And I have an entire staff of people who dedicate their life to doing nothing else but watching other players around the league and figuring out how good of a job they do and what, how much of a fit that they would be in here. If I need a little bit more information to kind of get over the hump, if we've already made a decision, for example, on a wide receiver, but I just want to get your input, I'll come to you and I'll ask you if you have any issues about with this guy, any kind of this, that, or any other final input that I can get on it. But that's it, and that's entirely at my discretion. That would be my my tact. And you know what? Rodgers wouldn't like me. He would throw shots at me, and everybody would say, I'm the bad guy. But too bad. I don't give a crap. I don't care. I'm the GM. I'm the one that's ultimately responsible for this. And I'm not going to trash this team by bringing in people that me and my staff feel would be bad additions because that guy wants them, and everybody's going to make fun of me if I don't do it. Too bad. Get a backbone. Tell him to stick it. And if he doesn't like it, he can go play somewhere else. Period. Not pampering people. I think the whole thing is stupid, and I'm kind of upset. I mean, the the team didn't break in terms of giving in. They held their ground. When there was all the rumors about the trades and all this stuff, and Rodgers holding out, the team's like, no, we're not trading you. We're not doing what you want you're going to suck it up and play under the contract, and that's just the end of it. And you know what? He did. But then they worked on their relationship, which is fine. You can try to work on communication and just making sure things are open. But you do not tell me what to do. And you will not have a shred more input into this organization than I decide is beneficial for the organization. And the idea that, that he's earned it, he's earned what? He's earned a lot of money. He's earned a lot of respect. He's earned MVPs. He's earned a Super Bowl trophy. He's gotten a lot based on his play. You don't just earn random stuff. I've, I've earned the right to make decisions for the team. No, you have not. That's not on the table. It's like if you worked your whole life and you're one of the greatest business minds in the world and you end up as the CEO of Domino's or something random. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to start calling Pizza Hut and telling them what to do. And they're answering the phone like, why do you keep calling? You're telling me what to do. I'm like, well, don't you think I've earned it? And you start laying out all the stuff you've done. Look what I've done. Look at all these things, right? That's why you're the CEO of Domino's. You got your reward for what you did. You've earned where you are. Everything you've did has been rewarded. You have a massive salary, great benefits, and you are the premier person that everybody knows. Everybody knows your name. You are regarded and revered for everything that you've done. You don't just get a blank check to say, I think today I'm going to do this because I've done a lot with my life. I'm going to run your life and your life and do your job and your job. And when I just make a decision, that's the way it is because look what I've earned. That's not how that works. Being the GM is not on the table. Being the coach is not on the table. You don't just get to earn random things because you're good at stuff, especially things that don't align with anything. Being a quarterback and being a GM are different. Being a, a, a quarterback and a coach is different. You know how I know? Aaron Rodgers said specifically, I would never be a coach. He doesn't want to be a coach. 
because it's an entirely different thing. If it was true that you could just go around and throw footballs and do a couple hours of team meetings and then be a head coach, there'd be no reason why he wouldn't want to be. But that's not all it takes to be a head coach. There's a lot more involved than that. And so I'm I'm not going to lie. If I'm Matt LaFleur and I'm putting 20-hour days in, sleeping under my desk and not seeing my family, and my quarterback who puts in just enough, he's here for a few hours, he goes, works out, and then he goes out with his friends and goes out with different women and all these different things, and then he comes into my office telling me what to do, I'm going to flip out. Tell you what, Rogers, if you want to come in here and pull up a sleeping bag and put in these 12, 15, 17, 18-hour days, then you can talk to me. If you're not going to do that, then get the hell out of my office. I'm not going to put up with that. Are you kidding me? And that's why I get so upset with Matt LaFleur in general. He, he does all this work, and, he, and maybe he's not the right guy, but it doesn't matter. You're the head coach of the team. I don't care if it's Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or what superstar quarterback it is. You come to the sideline and get in my face. I will put in Jordan Love just to spite you. You know why? Because I can. Because this is my freaking team, and I make the decisions around here, not you, and I will demonstrate that to you. I'll send you to the locker room. How about that? And you know what? You're going to do it because this is my team, and I'm in charge. And if you don't realize that, then I'm clearly not doing my job and demonstrating that that's how this works. Out of your freaking mind. So you see, that's, that's my mentality. And that's why I don't, I don't generally like this stuff. So you can see where I fall on these issues and why. And it's why I wish Matt had a backbone, because it's like, dude, you've earned this right. You are the head coach of one of the most premier sports teams in the entire world. You are the top dog. You're the guy. You run this team. What you say, that's how it is. When I call a play, you run it. When I make a roster decision... Boom, I snap my fingers and it happens. I wish he had more of that. And I, and I think part of it is that's just one of the negatives of superstar quarterbacks. I mean, Tom Brady went to Tampa. Why? Because Tampa said, you do whatever you want, you can run the team. I mean, if that's how you want to do things, fine. That's, I, I would not be okay with that. Obviously, he didn't entirely run the team, but they, they, they just said, you know, you come in, you, you do whatever you want to do. And so when he said, I want Antonio Brown, they went out and got Antonio Brown. Should they have? No. Did they do it? Yep, because he said so. And again, this isn't, this isn't even as much about Rodgers, although I don't like that he feels entitled to certain things. This is more about how I wish the team operated. And I felt like the team always did operate that way, but has sort of like had a change of heart over the last couple of years. Like, you know, maybe we should reevaluate how we do things and we should change this or that or the other. And it's like, I don't know, man, I'm not super on board, but I guess. And now that it's gotten to this point, nope, nope shut it up, shut it down, close it up, lock it down, done. We, we got to go back. This is, this, is, this is silly. So again, my, my biggest concern is, is just make sure, that you're, make sure that you're doing the right thing for the team at all times. At no point should it ever be, I'm going to do the right thing for a player at the detriment of a team. I don't care the player. It can't be that. Ever. And when you're uh, you know, in, the, in the film room, you better be perfectly blunt and honest. And if Rodgers is causing problems, whatever they may be, I just want to know that you're going to stand up and say, that can't happen again. This was your fault. You know what I mean? Every single time, just like you would every other player. And you can be as gentle about it or as harsh about it as you want, so long as it's equally distributed among players. But you have to have that ability. you got to be able to do that. And if you can't, then either we need a new coaching staff that can do it, or Rodgers has to go, flat out. We cannot have that happen. 
Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. 